that in art school, it wasn't the greatest artists that actually succeeded in their craft. It was the mediocre that learned marketing and relationship. You're listening to the Creative Habits Podcast, exploring the boundaries of creativity with artists from around the globe. And now your host, Wyatt Christman. Hey, this is Wyatt with Creative Habits Podcast, and this week we've got Angus Nelson. Angus is a great guy, and he's he does come from the corporate world. So, but don't let that scare you. I mean, he has, you know, spoken at corporate headquarters, including Walmart, Whole Foods, Coke, Adobe, and he's been featured in the big three major television networks. And, um, so he he does come from that environment, but on the other hand, he is able to take his experiences and, with heart. And bring that heart to his ideas, to his conversations. One of his first, or his first book was Love's Compass, How to Recover After a Lost Relationship. And um, he actually, on the show, will be, uh, you know, offering a free ebook uh, to develop relationships in a non-slimy way. <laughs> so it's a real treat to get his ideas on, on writing, on the future of work. Uh, building a, pr- a platform, um, and so much more. So really hope you enjoy the show. So here we are with Creative Habits Podcast with uh, Angus Nelson. Uh, glad to have you on the show, Angus. Really well, looking thanks, Wyatt. Yeah, yeah. If you could give us a little better background on you know, who you are for our audience who does, don't know you. And... Sure. So I was born at a very young age. You like that? <laughs> I was born an identical twin. I grew up in Wisconsin. My mother's from South uh, uh, in um, South Pacific in New Zealand. My dad's from South Texas, and we grew up in Wisconsin. And I started off my career um, trying to pursue music and film, like we do. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a performer. And found myself instead in the world of nonprofit. I did that for a while, started to uh, write a book, and then ended up having to self publish that book. And that got me into the world of learning about marketing. So I used social media and how to tell stories and fell in love with it. So that took me into doing social business marketing, which then took me into the world of tech, which is how I met my colleague, where now I work in corporate America today uh, in my day job. And uh, the company is called Crowd Companies. We help large brands find opportunities in what we call the collaborative economy, which includes everything from you know the sharing economy like Uber and Lyft and uh, Airbnb, all the way into the Internet of Things, uh, the maker movement, um, autonomous vehicles, etc. So that's my day job. And then the thing I do on my side hustle as a creative, I love to help people. And I do that through a podcast I have called Up In Your Business, Building You to Do Business Better. And uh, in addition to that, I also um, do writing and speaking. Um, Like I said, I have one book that I've um, already self-published. But uh, today, Wyatt, I can make the announcement. I just got my letter of acceptance for a New York publishing house. Uh, Morgan James just accepted my proposal for a book to be released in 2017. Nice. Yeah. So you're the very first one to know. Yay! All right. I like so, that. And, what, wow, yeah. just coming up there. So what? Yeah. Uh, so that's what you've been working on, uh, sweating, sweating it out for a little bit now. Is that uh, mm-hmm. book right? Yeah. Um, so how how is that process? And thank you for announcing it. That's that's great. How is yeah. that process for you? And in, in terms of you know getting that uh, uh, delivered and out there. 
So, um, like anything, it's work, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I know with your show, you know, being a creative, um, is a very personal thing, right? Whether we are creating for an audience or we're creating ourselves, uh, we are our own worst critics. And one of the things I learned from doing my first book is that the whole element and point of it is just to get it written, not to get it right. And so for me, it's a matter of getting my ideas, my concept, and pouring my heart out onto a page and not self-editing in the process. Waiting till you've got the full thing to the end and then starting to chip away at your baby is the wise way to do it. Oftentimes when we're trying to create things in our self-editing, we become overly critical and we can't see objectively. And so, therefore, we start cutting off things we don't need to be cutting off or placing importance on things that aren't important. And so, what I've learned in that whole process is, A, you got to work. You got to get the work done, right? But B, is don't conflict the work by trying to correct it. Yeah. Let the organic nature of the creativity in and of itself both fuel you and, um, and uh, build momentum to actually complete the work. So that momentum. So when, when you're doing the second book here and, and you've, you've got that going, it's different than the first. So you found yourself editing a, a lot less or you just get it out there initially. What was to, to you know, make that happen? Did you like on a daily basis, keep uh, you know, word count as, as a lot of people do? Or, or how did you go about that just to make yourself like just forget about the editing? So I'm right in the, the thrust of it right now. Gotcha. So um, we just signed the, the deal uh, today. So what that looks like is um, the beginning parts of, um, and th- most people don't know this, they think you write a book and then you sell the book. Um, which is how I did it the first time. Yeah, that's the, that's what I would think, right? Yeah. Right, and that's actually not how it works. You build a proposal, which is basically your table of contents that, that creates the structure and the framework, the skeleton of the book, and then you write the first chapter. Um, and then some people will add an introduction, you know, maybe to set the stage. And then everything else beyond that has very little to do with the book itself. It is about your platform. It's about your audience, how many people know who you are, and what are your capacities to be able to market the book. Because the truth of the matter is, most publishing houses don't do a whole lot of marketing anymore. Um, That's up to the author. And so, therefore, they only hire on authors who already have an audience. And that's why I didn't get signed the first time. In fact, I got rejected by the seven major uh, publishing houses because they said the book was too raw, too narrative, and I wasn't famous. (laughs) <laughs> so why, what, what made you go with a publisher instead of, you know, just still uh, giving it a go on your own, you know, such as through other channels like Amazon or uh, any others? So um, because of the way that I'm trying to position myself, um, it became a critical component uh, to what I'm trying to accomplish. And, and what I mean by that is most people think that when you write a book, you can make lots of money. And that's, I mean, unless you're, you know, J.K. Rowling, like it's, it's not common that uh, an author makes a lot of money. You have to sell a ton of books because the margin that an author makes on a book is very small. Even if you get paid some money up front, that's about the most money you're going to make. When you write a book, the book is not about making money. The book is asserting authority. 
Yes, yes, authority and, placement, definitely. And so that's my component. And I work in corporate America, my day job, and this other component that I'm doing with the writing, speaking, the podcast, I'm also getting into coaching as well. I'm asserting my authority to be able to speak to some elements I'm not at liberty to talk about in my day job. Um, but when I roll off my day job to do what I'm doing full time, I'll be more open about it. And just to kind of give you some insight, I'm looking at all the data on the future of work and what is being prepared for employees in the future. Um, and if you want, I can go into all that, but I, I don't, I don't really need to. Well, no, yeah, I'd be interested in, in, in the, the future of work, I think, affects us all, um, whether you're an artist or, or, or not, you know, or you're in corporate. I think the, the way that those dynamics, I have my own thoughts on that, but, but definitely having, um, you know, a window into what you think, because it, it, it affects all, all of us in terms of how we interact uh, yeah, get, get, just if you want to give a small window. Sure. Be- so, you know, I'll, I'll give you some scope because I think there's some great parallels to this. In the future, basically, we're all free agents. There's always going to be management. There's always going to be some hierarchy that those will be full-time jobs that are in place. But for the most part, uh, a great majority of us are going to be growing into contract labor. It's the gigification of jobs, if you will. Definitely. The incentive for large companies to hire full-time employees to manage their benefits, to manage their retirements, the incentive is no longer there. So they're going to hire less because technology has made it available for them to ebb and flow, to expand and contract the size of their workforce when needed, when necessary. I can hire somebody from across the globe to do a two-month, six-month, a 14-month contract for me. In addition... Um, I'm going to be looking for people who are specialists in this field that are going to excel and do very well for my company. And so from a brand perspective, that becomes a great opportunity. The opposite of that is the threat. Now companies have to transition the way they approach these contract employees. They're going to have to develop emotional intelligence. You can't have the same kind of bureaucratic leadership that we've had for the last century. You're going to actually have to treat people well. You're going to have to deliver as you've promised as a company, and you're going to have to create such incentive for them to want to work for you because the competition is going to be fierce. In addition, trying to protect your intellectual property is going to be pretty challenging. Let me bring it home to creatives, and this is where I see the correlation. Yeah, You are now your own brand. You are managing your own company. You are a free agent. The threat of that is you have to manage your own reputation, so you have to deliver as promised, and you have to deliver well. You um, have to manage your your, uh, relationships, so you can't just sit on your laurels and just expect a paycheck. You're going to have to get out there and expose yourself to other opportunities because the contract you currently have today won't necessarily be there for you tomorrow. Right. And, you know, artists have a good place, uh, you know, in all that, I think. And, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. You know, it seems like we're almost going to be selling to each other in a way. But I, for artists themselves, in a practical way, um, what do you think about, because I, I see is like uh, Amazon being a way to, you know, kind of leverage uh, the beginning of a brand. You know, if you sell art online, I mean, not all types of art, mm-hmm. obviously, but mm-hmm. definitely that's... Uh, 
you know, it's better to get leverage from something, a, a platform like Amazon, than it is to say, okay, I'm just going to start a website and, and be able to build my brand up, uh, you know, that way. Would you, what, what do you think about that angle and that? Um, it's, it's and both. And both. So, yeah. well, yes, so yes. Y- you need a domain that you own. That's that's the place that you can steer people to because then you can control, say, your um, your positioning, your your branding, your you know, so people can see your style and your technique. But in addition, they can also see you know, kind of your portfolio, right? They get to see not only what you've already sold and what you've done, but what you're capable of selling. That's the essence there. The second part of it is using um, uh, a marketplace model. And this is something that in my day job that we're exposing to large brands is they are using their name um, and then building marketplaces out of their name. So, for instance, Walmart started uh, a whole new concept of doing game trade-ins where if you had a video game from your Xbox, you're done playing with that game, you can trade it in for a monetary sum and then use it towards other games. That's something that's kind of a real disruption to their model. They've never done that before. But they're creating a marketplace for that. Then you look at someone like Tom's Shoes. Tom's Shoes, you buy one shoe, they give another shoe you know, to someone in a, in a third world country. They started to recognize that their brand was getting, had such reputation. Um, what if we could also employ some of these third world artisans into be able to showcase some of their work? And now people can go onto the Tom shoes and then go into their marketplace and buy other goods that are not Tom's stuff. So there's that essence, and of course, and I'm sure you know all this, there's Etsy and the Gromit and um, Custom Made. There's all sorts of platforms where the platform itself builds the the, uh, validation, and the artist then supports it by delivering their goods uh, through that mechanism. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then... For to, to um, you know, go back a little bit of what you talked about in terms of a little snippet of protecting the you know what an artist or whoever actually creates becomes much more difficult. Um, what what ways do you think an artist will be able to say? Because let's say they have something, they put it on Etsy, they put it on you know Amazon, and boom, you know, of course, ten other people just copy what they've got. And, right. uh, you know, so what do you see, how, how do you see around that? Or do you see anywhere around things like that? Okay. You're, you're not, you're all? not going to expect the answer I'm going to give you. Oh, good. Hey, cool. It, it's blockchain. Blockchain. Go blockchain ahead. is the basis in which cryptocurrencies are built on that we know it's called Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is a digital currency that's exchanged globally without any banking oversight or regulation. Mm-hmm. It is a peer-to-peer marketplace for money. And it, it has a value that ebbs and flows just like any other marketplace by supply and demand. And the software that's encrypted in that is a ledger that can measure point A and point B where the transaction starts, where the transaction ends, but within that maintains its anonymity. So I can look into Bitcoin, its public forum, and I can see money traveling left and right, you know, on the on the page. It'll say a transaction of, you know, $1240, a transaction of 120,000. The biggest one I've seen was like 2.4 million dollars. And I'm like, who is exchanging that? That's crazy. Yeah. So all of that exists, right? 
now Bitcoin is only one facet. It is the essence of the blockchain behind it that is the magic. So now insurance companies, copyright, trademarks, legal forms, um, what do you call it when you go into somebody and they stamp it to say that you've done it? Um, Notaries. Notaries, Notaries. republics. Um, All of that is going to be translated into this new technology. And there's millions of dollars being invested in all of this technology right now as we Mm -hmm. speak. Because blockchain is going to be able to certify a digital product as belonging to a certain person. Imagine what that looks like in music, video, um, digital art. You can encrypt that Bitcoin, you know, whatever the, not Bitcoin, sorry, the blockchain encryption into those digital products, Hmm. identifying who the original owner is. Right. Now, artists are going to be able to protect their intellectual property. Right. And that's probably within the next five years. Huh. Nice. So... You so, didn't see that one. Coming. I, I didn't see that one coming. No, but you know, I mean, it totally makes sense because of the nature. You have to have some sort of, um, you know, already there's metadata within, uh, you know, different uh, photos and videos, and so some form of that it makes sense, you know. Um, so uh, okay, so Angus, you've been you've been all around the world. Okay, you have have traveled many different places and. And you've done a lot of a lot of different things. Now, you yourself as as a, a form of expression, you're kind of you you delve into service to people, and you you're you're out there. And when you meet people, and you um, you know kind of understand you know who they are and and what they're doing, and you're kind of coaching them. That melding process is almost like um, you know making a painting and whatnot, and 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 creating art itself. Mm-hmm. What in that process? Um, what? Um, how do you keep you know keep going? Um, you, you know with that, keep momentum with your you know creations, whether it be you know with a person or with your book or with your you know because at some point you know there's a bog down. How do you how do you get past mm-hmm. that bog down? Whether it be with a person or with a something you create um, on your own. Um, I'm going to give you. Two different answers, um, both related, but but two answers to that same question. The first one um, is exposure, faces, spaces, and places. You'll never be creative and carry momentum if you don't change what you already know and see. So it requires you to see different faces. If you hang out with the same people all the time, then you become stagnant of those who you hang around. But the moment you expose yourself to people who see the world differently, who may have opposing viewpoints, who have a different culture, a different language, a different food that they appreciate, all of a sudden you're exposed to creative process because in your mind, you create new concepts and constructs of how you see the world. That's why my mom told me, she's from New Zealand, she said, you know, growing up, get out there with a backpack and go see. Go see what else is out there. And so I did. That's faces. Spaces. If you're in one vertical, say you're a painter 
and of course that can be you know broken up into all sorts of watercolor acrylic or whatever go take a look at where someone else works in music or in um, dance or in you know what have you go and expose yourself to a different space and i would even challenge you to go into the business world to go into the marketing into everything from gosh Watch what people are doing in Snapchat. Watch what they're doing on YouTube. Watch what they're doing on Vine. Like There are creators that are changing the game as we speak. People are getting more and more creative. Exposing yourself to that will help you see your own artistry in a different fashion. And then the third piece of that, in you got your, your faces, you got your spaces, and then it's the places. Don't work out of your studio exclusively. Get out into the park, into the library, into a, a coffee shop. It is the smells, it is the temperatures, the humidity, it is the wind on your face, it is the sun on your back. All of these things will increase endorphins and other neurological and scientific things going on inside your stimuli that cause you to see things differently. Yeah. Faces, spaces, places. That gives you creativity. And the last piece uh, is this: the second component is being present. We spend most of our lives either in the past or in the future. In the past, it can be positive or negative. It can be something that's bad. It can be something that's negative. And so now I'm a victim of something was done to me or around me. It can be good. Um, it can be something fantastic, and we think in our minds, man, do you remember when? Remember those good old days? And we're always comparing our current existence in light of our past. Turn the other way, and now we're focused on the future. And we have a goal. Well, I'll be successful when, and then we fill in the blank. And when we get to that, then we fill in the blank with something else, and then something else, and then something else, and then something else, because it's never going to satisfy, it's never going to fulfill, because it's always out in front of you. So, so what's the, the and great points, because it's like expand your world uh, from those different, uh, you know, place, the place, people, and so on. So w- what's an example of something that you've created or done recently where you've incorporated that and, see, and been surprised, you know, where you've stepped out of your zone and, and been able to, you know, bring back to what you're creating. Do you have sure. a quick example? So, or? so I'll, fi- I'll finish the, the construct here and then I'll tell you exactly what that's all about. So instead of looking at the past or looking at the future and we look in the present, all of a sudden from the present, we can look around us and see that everything we've experienced has built us to this. Who I am today and the value I have for who I am, the value I have for who's around me, the value of the relationships, the value of the creative process, the value of the things I've already put my hands to, like from that comes a place of gratitude. From gratitude comes generosity. From generosity comes happiness. From happiness comes joy. All of that is an internal work because happiness is never external. Anything done outside to bring happiness is temporary fix. But if you find it internally, you can always be joyful and happy. And when you're like that, it's crazy. Why people like to be around happy people. And so, therefore, you start to attract opportunity. For me, where I'm at in my life and what I'm experiencing, I believe where I am today is a product of learning how to stop manufacturing my future. Instead, I've invested the present 
to be the best person I possibly can to help everyone I can, I, I can possibly help. And I'm constantly in a place of generosity because I know that as I sow those seeds and as I help people, I will watch them flourish and grow. And then I will just receive even more joy and even more enthusiasm. And that causes me to be even happier. And now I'm having people approach me to do consulting, to do coaching. And now I swear to you, this book deal that I just got, is a product of somebody who believed in me that said, man, I really like that Angus. I'm going to make a connection. And he introduced me to the president of this publisher. And he was in town, the same hometown that I, or, you know, the same city that I happened to be in, he was visiting. So we went and had lunch. We had a 45 minute meeting. That 45 minutes turned into three hours. And he said at the end of that, we got to find a way to work together. Publishers do not buy books. Publishers by people. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, well. The, the the gratitude. I love the gratitude. It's, I've I uh, I actually made a mug. It um, you know attitude of gratitude. Fill cup daily for best results. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love yeah. It. So okay. So you and and that, that's a good uh, good point. So Angus, you've got this this heart connection. You've. Um, I, Part of of what you do is is connecting from that level. Am I right? Yeah. From from things that I've read, you you try to go from that connection, and I think in a large part that's what's missing in a lot of what we do in our society these days is a disconnect from the heart, and so it's much harder to um, for people to relate and for people to just be without medications and, you know, escapism and so on. So you need to be in the present, but not only in the present, but from the heart. So can you speak to that a little bit and how to bring that heart into what you create? So um, life is based in paradox, right? Often. If you want to have friends, you, you – First, have want to gain. You first have to give. If you want to live, you first have to have elements of your life that die. I believe life is about paradox. Do you play golf? I don't. I sail. Try to play golf. So here's this thing about golf: is in golf, like the harder you try and swing that club, like that's when you start shanking balls to the left or the right. Like I use it as a metaphor because I think life is the same way. It's like the harder you try, the worse you do. And the reason why I've become so content with the present, the reason why I've become so generous is because of brokenness. I went through a lot of hell. Out of my own self-inflicted narcissism and ego, I built up a business that turned me into a uh, workaholic, which turned me into trying to cope with the pain of the stress my marriage was stretched. I turned to alcohol. I turned to pornography. And then I turned to promiscuity. That led to divorce. The business also was lost. I spent the next three years in just depression and darkness. I was suicidal. I didn't know which way was up. But I had a mom and dad that didn't quit on me, that loved me through my stuff unconditionally. And I finally just made a step to just get out of the city I was in, get away from the memories, and I moved to a new city where I could be around people that could build me up. They changed my mind, changed my heart. 
and changed my thinking about how I saw myself and started to determine value for who I am and what I had to offer so that now I could look back and cherish the dark times and become in a place that, man, I never want to go back there again. And even more so, I want to keep people from going back there again. In creatives, oftentimes it is our pain that fuels our expression. And for some, they get so caught up in the pain that the pain will eventually override them. And that's where we've heard of lots of artists and musicians and uh, actors who have then turned into drugs or alcohol abuse because those demons override their creative process. And so I say the only way that you can counteract that is by doing good. When the things that you create impact the world and impact others and give them something of value, joy, emotion, excitement, then what happens is that pain or those things that you've gone through, those vulnerabilities and transparencies, all of a sudden become something that fuel you and you bring them out through your artistry into the light And now people know the things that you cope with, and you can openly discuss them with people that you trust and love. And once things are brought into the light, they lose their power. Yes, but but then there's the other spectrum, the the beauty of it all, right? I mean, there's the artist. I mean, there doesn't always have to be the the brooding artist and and, and so on. There's the beauty seen in it all. But I I don't know. I guess, yeah, it's hard to... Uh, for the so, most, so so yeah. let me let me. I, I love what you said, the brooding artist, because I I share that because I believe that when you instead of me giving you a three points in a poem to give an answer to a question, that's a formula that doesn't work for everybody. I'd rather tell a story and invite you to learn your story, discover your story within mine. Beautiful. Okay. And so, as people who are listening, who haven't been through the tragedy, the hurt, the pain, still look in the mirror and find reasons to devalue themselves, still find reasons to disqualify themselves. And my favorite thing, my favorite discovery I love to share with people is no matter where you're at and what you're doing, what you're contending with, that comes down to this. You are not alone. And creativity comes out of you accepting and loving yourself to such a degree that the expression of that is fueled by your own love. And that creates more relationships, which creates more love, which creates more artistry, which creates more love, which, you know, and it just kind of builds. But what happens is because creativity is such a personal part to us, we never actually fully express what we're capable of because we're afraid that someone would reject it. And in our minds, if you reject my artistry, I think you reject me. Right. And that's where artists really get hung up. And well, then there's the marketplace because the marketplace is critical in terms of, you know, what people will buy, what people will, you know, so it, it's not just, uh, you know, it's, it's the cold, coldness of the marketplace where you, to make it as an artist, you know, you have to, you can give outwards, uh, you know, through creative love, but then when you go to sell that, it's there's uh, you know the, the demon of 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 it all that says, well, this isn't 
good enough to sell. Um, they're going to buy something else or, or whatnot. You know, the, just to play. So, yeah. So can I, can I push back on you, Wyatt? Definitely. Please do. Yeah. You, you get what you expect. So if you put your art, artistry out there expecting to get rejected, guess what will happen? It will, right. right. You get rejected. Right. So it is a matter of our performance is not for the others. The performance is because of the expression of myself. I don't create because I need your approval. I create because it's what I love to do. Yes, and the other part of that, the, the part that I love is that we're in a world right now where you are no longer dependent on that marketplace to produce in your locale to produce the person who's going to like it. You can actually find you know, a, a thousand true fans. You, all around the world, there are going to be people who are going to enjoy your art Whatever it is that you create, you will still be able to sell it. You are no longer, you know, predetermined. Okay, I have this one marketplace, and I have to sell, you know, just to these people. Yeah, There's a whole yeah. world of people, and you are going to have enough people if you reach out and you, you know, that that's how I see it. Anyway, There's oh, absolutely, people out there, you know, right now. Nice, nice. So, and, and you know, here's yeah. here's the thing. Can I can I say? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, add, yeah So the power of a smartphone in your pocket get you access to the globe. And never in history has it been possible to reach nearly 7 billion people in the marketplace to buy your goods. Yes. So it comes to this other aspect of a lot of the influencers and, and executives that I, I contend with. They have two things that they said have helped them be successful. One is the depth of relationships they've created in the network right? that they have at their disposal. And the value that they've offered to that. The second piece is they've always remained a self-learner. And in my day job with, with crowd companies, most of the people that hold their current role, their position, those positions, those t job titles didn't exist only 10 years ago. You know, digital wasn't available, social media wasn't available, digital marketing, digital product, none of that, innovation labs, innovation heads, th those didn't exist. People weren't um, getting taught that in universities. And people who got an MBA 10 years ago, anything they learn no longer applies. It doesn't exist. <laughs> and so as an artist, it, is, uh, it behooves you to learn where the market is going and get in front of it. Learn about using social media and telling stories about your craft. Learning how to do video, live video, inviting people into the story of your creation. Nice. Inviting people into behind the scenes and the tools you use, the techniques you've learned. And then even creating e-products to show other people how to do it themselves. Using your creativity to build multiple streams of revenue, multiple streams of ways for people to engage with you, and multiple ways for people to be a part of who you are and what you're doing. Well said. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it, it is... When you open up uh, your story, and it's learning how to tell that story. Um, so many artists, though, you know, they're, they're in their shop. They're in their studio. They uh, will spend so much time by themselves. And so it becomes a process of not learning necessarily how to create, but how to tell that story. And the storytellers, you know, that's the, where the coaching comes in handy. It's being able to draw that story out of people and so that they can learn how to 
to tell it again because they they could tell it when they were kids, you know, mm-hmm. naturally. And it's it's going back to that uh, you know sitting around the campfire and just opening up a little bit. Yeah, that's it's it's a uh, it's a great world we live in right now for sure. Um, so uh, I, and I know he wouldn't he would have no problem me telling you this, but I know a guy who uh, is an awesome creative. His name is Sean. Um, on my podcast, uh, up in your business, he's episode 25. I actually did a coaching call with him and, and I've known him for 20 years. So we were talking, I'm like, dude, we should just do a recording. Let's just turn this into recording. Would that be okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And since that recording, which was, I don't know, two and a half, three months ago or so, he's decided to only do work that he can believe in. And last month he turned down um, seven or 17, I'm going to say seven on the conservative side, but a lot. He turned down a lot of jobs last month that he normally would have taken. And he only took two contracts to do work. And he will make more money in those two contracts than he and his wife made their entire last year. Wow. And he is doing the things that he loves and accepting the things that he knows he can sow his life into. And so as a challenge, I gave him before this, that, that was this month, but two, two and a half months ago, we were going to a, a, a festival called South by Southwest. And as a tech conference and music festival and film all wrapped into one. So creatives, it's creatives galore. And I said, his, his big sweet spot is marketing from a very guerrilla and grassroots fashion. He loves to create video, tell stories, etc. And I said, go do that. 20 years ago, he built um, a million impressions on a fictional character named Combat Chuck. He was Combat Chuck. And as far as all these people knew, he was some kind of legend. And he built it before social media, before you know any of that Twitter, Facebook, anything existed. And so much so that there were bands that wrote songs at music festivals. They would, you know, interact with Combat Chuck. And this one band, Five Iron Frenzy, actually wrote a song called Combat Chuck. (laughs) And so I said, what you did 20 years ago, can you still do that today with what's available to you? So he went out and got, I don't know how many thousands of impressions on a wood pin. You know what a wood pin is? It's the thing that you hang your clothes on, the clothesline outside to dry. Oh, yeah, okay. He did a woodpin campaign with a bag of woodpins to see if he could tell stories of people interacting with his woodpin. And so he has video footage and did this like one and a half, two minute spiel of people connecting and taking pictures with him in this bag of woodpins and, and pictures of themselves exchanging and playing games. He got a video footage of him with Gary Vaynerchuk, who's like a big social media guy. And I mean, just crazy stories because I challenged him to do what he does in a way that would tell the story of what he does, but more importantly, gets attention in a marketing concept so they could see what he does. And that's where artists need to get to, is that you telling your story is as, if not more, important than the craft itself. Nice. Yeah. Very, very true. It's learning. It's learning. Yeah, it's learning how to tell that story. And it doesn't have to be like you just showed there. It doesn't have to be complicated. It just needs to be real. Yeah. Yeah. A bag of wood pins. Yeah, a bag of wood pins. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's good. 
Nice. Well, Angus, you know, so this is gonna. This has been a great episode, and I it's it's been great having you on here. Now, where if if you want to give us a you know where we can find you and um, and go and see and and reiterate about the uh, the free um, uh, uh, ebook or, or PDF it was right. Uh, yeah. You were talking about, and uh, yeah, let's and, and so people can connect with you because you've, man, especially with your podcast, you've got some great uh, stories on there. And um, I was just listening to the one um, where you you talked to the, the the dad, the guy who, uh, you know, well, you were on his show, I guess. But but anyway, so go, go ahead and and tell <laughs> us where we can find you. Awesome, sure. You can find me at angusnelson.com. Um, and then my podcast, if you're on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or what have you, um, after you get done to, with this show, when you get done listening to Creative Habits and you've already gone up into the corner there and you've said, I'm going to put a rate and review for Wyatt and how awesome the show is, then and only then you come over to Up In Your Business and building you to do business better because I believe in two things. One is helping you have a great business acumen. So I pull that out of the people that I interview and some of the things I deliver. And then the second fold is dealing with that emotional, psychological elements. And I love what you said, why the heart, the name of my company is actually heart centric company. And that's actually what I'm filed with the IRS under. So um, I'm all about the heart. Um, So behind that, um, I had mentioned earlier in our interview about the two things that um, the people that I work with and have interviewed, there seemed to be just a lot of symmetry around these two elements. And that is being a self-learner and constantly learning what's coming down the pike and never feeling like you're too old to learn a new trick. The second part of that is is expanding a great and powerful depth to relationships, expanding your network. And whenever you talk about that word networking with people, a lot of people have a visceral reaction to that. They think it's slimy or schmoozy. And in addition, there's 65% of Americans classify themselves as introverts. And therefore, they disqualify themselves because they think that networking is an extrovert gift, to which I would push back and say that's not true. In fact, as an introvert, you're actually more skilled and more capable to network with people powerfully than you give yourself credit for. Because the true heart of networking is about what you can give and how you can serve. It's not what you can get and what you can take. We've seen people do that. And that's why people don't like it. But the ones who do it right, who come in offering value, are the ones who develop great and meaningful relationships. And so I wrote an ebook to help people do that. And it goes through just all the basics, everything from how to shake a hand effectively, how to look people in the eye, what to do that can garner the attention and affections of the host of the party so that they remember you and they'll help you and they'll make introductions for you. In addition, how to follow up, which is the most critical component. And my ebook wraps that all up. You can get that. I'll, I'll create a link for you um, at angusnelson.com forward slash, we'll just do creative. How's that? Perfect. Make it super easy. Super easy. And that's my gift to you. Nice. Put that link in the show notes. And and your book uh, coming out again, the, the name of the book. that, that Empowering out. Work. Empowering, Empowering Work. work. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. And the first book you had was called again? That one's called Love's Compass. Okay. Love's Compass. And I actually wrote another book um, that is sitting on a hard drive, a couple of hard drives right now, just to be safe. Um, because the whole premise of writing books is based on the platform, having an audience first. Mm-hmm. I wrote that second book, which is also based on relationships. Um, that dark period I talked about, that Love's Compass book 
talks about that and the lessons I learned and how I came through it and how I met my wife and got married on a whole different basis and, and foundation. The second book we wrote is called um, Love Sick, and it's based on the three viruses that we believe um, hurt relationships, their judgment, offense, and expectation. And then from that, we give case studies of all the marriages that we've counseled and giving examples of what we call three, say, strains of those viruses. So there's nine different case studies through it. And at the end of the book, we say, if you take the advice we give you, you can immediately change the dynamics of your relationships because they have absolutely nothing to do with your partner. They're all your own judgments, your own offenses, and your own expectations. Wow. They just put a square right on the person. It's not. It's, it's all you, man. <laughs> right? And right. that's what I would say about creatives. We're spending so much time pointing at how the market doesn't understand me, how my family won't support me, how the, the city I live in isn't good enough. I'm going to say it's on you. You as the creative have the responsibility to take your art and learn what you need to learn to get it to who's going to love it. That's on you. Nice. Double nice. dog dare you. Double dog dare you. <laughs> and, you know, in there, you know, just uh, learn to, to tell your, your story, right? It's, right. It's, yeah. it's, we make it so hard. It's rather Gosh. Simple. That's a whole other show about mindset and how we disqualify ourselves and, and, and devalue ourselves. Like, I think that's, like, one of the main things that actually um, I'm really excited to say I'm sneaking into this empowering workbook. Um, it's kind of, it's, I'm calling this book. It's like the mullet it's business up front party in the back. It's going to be business up front and it's going to be mindset and mindfulness in the back. Nice. Well, I look forward to reading it. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to keep, uh, keep abreast of that. And, uh, when that comes out, that's going to be, that's going to be awesome. So, all right, Angus. Um, well, thank you very much for being on the show and, um, you know, uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Awesome. My pleasure, Wyatt.